You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? Come on in, have a seat, and welcome to the latest from our Fujifilm Creator Series. If you've been listening to the show for a while, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I partnered up with Fujifilm and uh, we did a series of episodes that spotlight and highlight the filmmakers that they have been working with, that they have been supporting, that they have been helping find their own voice. And this is what I love about Fujifilm. Fujifilm is one of the few companies out there that doesn't just send you free gear. If you're a filmmaker looking for support, most companies kind of go, hey, look, we've we've got a bunch of products here. We can send you that product. Uh, use the product, if you will, and then just take some photos and unboxing videos and post them online. That's what most of the business strategy and the marketing strategy is for companies out there. And what I loved about Fujifilm, and when I met with Victor from Fujifilm for the first time and we talked about this, they're one of the few companies that helps finance short films, helps finance short films and helps these filmmakers uh, get in front of the camera, get behind the camera, get into a situation where they're practicing their craft. Because the only way you're going to get good at what you do is you have to spend the time. You have to spend that 10,000 hours, right? And the problem with filmmaking is that to really practice the craft, it's expensive. It's very difficult for most people to do. And unless you're independently wealthy, unless you've got, you know, a family behind you that has a bunch of money that they're funneling at you all the time, it's tough to do, right? And so to find a company that is willing to go, hey, man, we believe in you. We believe in your vision. We're going to give you some cash to make it happen. Uh, it blew my mind. And that's why I fully went in to do the Fujifilm Creator Series, because I wanted to hear these stories. I wanted to hear how these filmmakers made it happen. I wanted to hear what it was like to be uh, in a situation to practice the craft again. Now, today's show is a great one. It's about documentaries. It's about what it's like to be a documentarian. It's about uh, how to survive as a documentarian. And we get into some pretty crazy fun rants on the show uh, with these filmmakers. And it's all about being honest and truthful about the work and finding great work and great stories to tell. Now, in the spirit of being honest and truthful, I'm going to cop up to something here on the show. Now, this episode has been out for at least a week, right? And I'm sure this is your first time listening to it. Um, so you wouldn't really know the difference, but your boy's being very honest about this. When this episode first dropped, I fucked up the intro. I fucked up the intro, right? I don't remember how it was done. We were doing a bunch of all these pieces all at the same time. There were a whole lot of emails. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall back on excuses here. But what I did is I miscredited one of the directors on this film, right? I said that we had on the show the director and the cinematographer, which was completely fucking wrong. We have two co-directors of this film on today's show and a returning filmmaker, <laughs> which you would think, you would think that I wouldn't fuck up a returning filmmaker. <laughs> but guys, <laughs> ah, your boy's on a whole nother level as far as workloads concerned. So bear with me. And like I said, I could have just fixed this and you wouldn't have known about it, but where's the fun in that? You have to be a part of the crazy train that is this podcast. And I <laughs> profusely apologized this morning and I feel absolutely terrible about it. So if what it takes 
as me flogging myself on air a little bit, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm game. <laughs> All right. So joining me on today's show are the filmmakers behind a movie called The Solace of Sisterhood. Now, when I originally recorded this show, I don't think the title was in place yet. I was calling it uh, The Caramel Curves because it is a movie that follows this all-black female biker crew in New Orleans called The Caramel Curves. Uh, and it showcases them as they defy uh, societal norms by embracing their multifaceted identities. Now, if you've been following me on Instagram or if you follow us at inlovewiththeprocess.com and look at the supporting images of the show, go take a peek because it's fucking cool looking. Really cool looking. Uh, motorcycle crew. Awesome photography. Awesome cinematography. Really great looking stuff. Uh, very stark looking imagery. Uh, it's it's beautiful. And joining me on today's show are the directors. I have Geneva Peshka on and my old buddy Anna Anderson is joining us on the show. Um, and <laughs> Anna, I screwed up. I said that Anna was the cinematographer. She is a co-director of the show, which is like, come on, dude. <laughs> Get your shit together. Because not only do you offend Anna at that point, but you also offend the two amazing cinematographers that worked on this movie, dude. Come on. Now, I'm going to attempt to pronounce her name. I think it's uh, Safia uh, Chinere is correct. And then Kenny Hamlet are the two cinematographers on this show. And uh, I'm excited to have everybody involved. I'm excited to have you here, listen to their stories, and I'm excited to present you with a brand new Fujifilm Creator Series episode. Um, and, and strap yourselves in, man, because at the time when we were recording this, I think we were either in the midst of the strike or the strike was about to happen. There was a whole lot of struggle for earning the respect of people that were paying you and how you, uh, you know, survive as a documentarian. So we definitely go off the rails on this episode and get into some really great conversations. So you're in for a good one. Um, but before we get too deep into this, I just wanted to promote our new show. Yes, I have a second podcast as if I'm not swamped enough in screwing up this show. I'm going to do a new one. And I'm doing one with my good buddy, Lance A. Williams. This show is called Right Place, Right Time. And we talk about, we get into that saying, right, where everybody goes, you got to be in the right place, right time. Is Does it actually happen? Does it exist? Are these like moments, these sort of miracle moments, these lightning strike moments where your entire life changes, you're riding an elevator and next thing you know, you get a job or you're hanging out at a concert and someone shows up with a front row ticket. It's like, I've heard stories of this happening, right? So how often does it happen? And if it does happen a lot, can you be aware when it's about to happen? Can you set yourself up to have a right place, right time moment? That's what we're going to get into the sh with this show. So I'm excited. And if you're like, well, where do we get the show? Do we have to subscribe to a new podcast? No, don't worry. I'm keeping it simple for you. Just continue to say to stay subscribed to In Love With The Process. On Tuesdays, you'll get your standard ILWP episodes. And on Thursdays, starting in February, you'll get Right Place, Right Time. So two podcasts for the subscription of one, right? I would I can't even say for the price of one because you guys don't pay for it, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, man, lots of great content on the way. Lots of great interviews on the way. I'm very excited about it. 
Um, so let's not delay it any further. Let's get into today's episode. Thanks for sitting through my my re-record of the intro. And once again, I wholeheartedly apologize to Anna uh, and Geneva and the cinematographers on this. Your boy was swamped. There was a miscommunication and a, a fucking terrible overlook on my part. So I hate, 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 hate miscrediting people. Um, so uh, thanks for your patience and uh, get ready. Strap yourselves in for a brand new, really killer episode of In Love With The Process. Geneva, Anna, thanks for being on the show. How are you? Great. Yeah, doing well. Thanks so much for having us on. <laughs> yeah, really appreciate it. Really excited for today's conversation. So thank you so much, Mike. Me too. I just imagine that that slight delay was the fact that my voice had to travel from Los Angeles all the way to New York. <laughs> and then you guys had to respond. So it's. I'm just. I'm just constantly awkward, so expect slight delays throughout the show. It's fine. <laughs> we love them here. Um, so I'm I'm pumped. I'm excited to talk to the both of you. I, you know, obviously I haven't seen anything from your piece yet uh, because uh, has it been cut yet? Are you guys editing right now? Like, where are you guys at with the film? We are in, we're in post, we're about to see a rough cut. So we're extremely excited for that. Nice. Um, yeah. So still kind of early on, but you know, the timeline's moving fairly quickly. So we'll have something to share fairly soon. Okay. Well, for the audience, uh, the both of you are working on this film that I've, I've seen the brief for it, the creative, and I've gone through the creative. It sounds fascinating. Uh, Caramel Curves is what it's called. Uh, it's like a doc film. And you guys are doing a piece on a uh, all-female biker club in Louisiana, correct? Yes, yes. Um, actually, we sort of found them through a mutual friend of Geneva's, and we reached out, and they said yes to be in it, and sort of the creative evolved from there. And Geneva and I put our heads together, chatted with the co-founders, and created the story. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm a like. 
to to sort of connect with the both of you on this, I've done docs on gangs, and I've spent a few years with the different bike gangs and and gangs themselves. And then uh, my girlfriend just did a piece on a biker group in Jamaica recently. So, it's, what? Wow! Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Can you? Is it? Is it finished? Can you share it with us? Yeah, I mean, it was for like a brand, so it's like one of those branded docs. But yeah, we can we can send it. It's pretty rad. Like she ended up. I, I did the editing for her, so it was like a whole lot of stray dogs and, <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and, and dudes on like motorcycle slash mopeds. Uh, she said it was a crazy adventure just sort of going through off the beaten path in Jamaica and like their security team and everything. So she said it was a, a wild adventure. Um, so I only bring that stuff up is because I, I know what it's like to shoot that kind of stuff. It must be a lot of fun to be embedded. Not only with uh, the uh, dynamic sort of footage that you get on bikes, but then also like the incredible personal stories and the incredible sort of access that you have to uh, lives that most people don't really understand or have never had access to, rather. That's a better way of saying it. So uh, I'm curious to see what a piece looks like. Thank you. You know, we are too at this point. We're really, really excited. <laughs> We're working with a, a really great editor right now and excited um, to see what she puts together. And I think, you know, the piece was also something that resonated for her that, you know, the, the women, the, you know, the group, they're called the Caramel Curves. Um, and just, you know, this like incredible group of black women riding bikes and really, you know, just like these really fantastic, um, empowering stories and women. Nice. So, it's, yeah. So what was the angle for you? Did do, were you, cause it's always fascinating whenever I talk to folks that are in bike clubs or even bike gangs, there's this sense of like hunting for freedom and looking for freedom and looking for the ability to sort of take control of their lives. Is that a similar narrative for what you guys were going for? What was the, what was the story that pulled you into this club? Anna, do you want to go or should I start? Sure, I can start. Um, and it's hard not seeing each other. I'm like, oh, here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great question, Mike. One of our big themes in this was talking about freedom. And so much of what's out there on the, the Caramel Curves, Caramel Curves, wherever you're from, the country, um, is... They, they have this aesthetic that's incredible. You know, they, they ride in heels. They look incredible from top to toe. But they're also incredible bikers. They know exactly what they're doing. They can do crazy stunts. They can do burnouts. They can keep up with anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, and so everything that's out there on really on the internet about the caramel curves is sort of looking at that aesthetic, is looking at sort of the hard hardcore part of writing. And what Geneva and I wanted to do was embrace the opposite side of that. So yes, there is this incredible look that they put on and the way they show up in their community and the way they're perceived, but then what else is underneath that? Mm. What's underneath the overall aesthetic? What, what dualities do these women hold? Um, so freedom was a big part of that discussion and also looking at softness and looking at the relationships between the women themselves and the theme of sisterhood, but also mother-daughter in the way that True is passing the torch to her daughter, Sky. 
um, for writing and what that symbolizes to her. Mm. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, because I don't know much, like, as we're talking, I'm just sort of looking through the internet stuff on them. I didn't know much about them as a as a, as a a group, and you're, they're very much like, they seem very organized as far as their aesthetic is concerned, that's for sure. So I, mm-hmm. I'm actually happy that you guys are sort of cracking past this, this uh, I don't want to say the packaging of the group, but past what we just see visually for them and into the to the actual reasons for why, you know, you would want to form a club like this and then like, what are the motivations and then passing it through generations is fascinating too. That's cool. Um, Thank you. Yeah, man. Like what, uh, I know it's always tough doing an interview like this because I haven't seen the piece. And so we're kind of just sort of digging into it. Let let me ask some overall questions about, uh, especially uh, to you, Geneva, like why documentaries for you? Like, as a director, why did you decide that that was the storytelling medium that you wanted to get out? Well, I think for me, you know, I, I grew up in, you know, my mom is a single, my mom was a single parent for th- of three kids and um, was always just so passionate about holding and creating space for people's voices and for equal rights for everybody. So I grew up in, you know, this household where, it was like, you see something, you say something, mm-hmm. you jump in, you know, like you can't, don't be quiet about it. Um, and really she just instilled like the importance of value and everyone holding the same value. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I thought for a very long time, my route was going to be a visual artist when I was a kid. And then I, you know, I was like, okay, well, I really like the idea of being a human rights activist. And I wanted to work, um, you know, with the UN and ended up, getting myself back in, you know, getting myself in the film world. And it kind of started off as first in feature animation and then working in the commercial commercial space, more of like a supportive role. And then really identifying to me the, the things that I love the most in my life are relationships, people, humanity, um, holding space for people to be seen and heard and celebrated and changing narratives. And I think for myself, you know, growing up in the environment that I grew up in and being, you know, having a single mom and we grew up with, we didn't have money, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, so how we were perceived or how I could walk to a space and be perceived, um, you know, without, you know, checking all, off these little boxes, there's definitely the sense of like, you know, how I wanted to be seen mm-hmm. and like, how can I pass that on? And I felt documentaries are such a beautiful way of marrying, you know, like art holding space for people to share their stories, to do it in a collaborative way, to do it in a way that is like patient paced, you know, and, and have them be a part of, of sharing their narrative. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's such an important thing is that we have such major issues because of history, et cetera. Um, of who has controlled our narratives. And, and when we start to hold space for people to share their own narratives, we change the world. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a long-winded way, I wanted to be a part of, um, you know, in a small way, changing a person's life or holding, like helping them be seen um, and knowing, showing them that they're valued. It's kind of like my, like a, my way of, creating a love note to each person you know if i could i would do it for everyone in the world <laughs> i get that i get that that's cool <laughs> yeah i mean and, and and 
with documentaries, it kind of feels that way, right? Because there's there's a lot of trust that's required. And I know, um, and I think we talked about a, a bunch about that when you were on the show initially about going off and trying to find, um, you know, true stories, but also story like people that you connect with emotionally. And then through that connection, there becomes, at least with me, when I did a lot of doc stuff, you start to feel a sense of responsibility. You start to feel like these people aren't, they're not just talent. They're not just they're not just uh, actors on screen. These are individuals with real lives, and so you have to be delicate and uh, sort of conscious of, you know, what your work will do to their lives and how it'll affect their lives as well. Do you guys feel that responsibility? Hundred percent, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, Jimmy yeah. and I talk about that a lot of the relationship and the power that is given to storytellers and having to be really responsible Yeah, because it is definitely a question of ethics and it's such a, and I think Geneva, you told me this um, when we were having these conversations, this taking, you know, like we're, we're asking so much of our participants and of our talent and we're in a role where we take, take, take. And so what can we do? on the other side where it feels more equitable and what can we give, what can we give the community, the individual um, for stepping up and sharing their story? Because it's, it's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) No, no, not at all. And that's interesting. So when you, when you say like, what can we give, what are, what are some examples of what you guys can give to the community and back to them? Mm, Well, I think I, Great question. I think um, one of the things, so I, I like, I consider myself a collaborative storyteller. So in, um, you know, working with someone to share their story, it's very much something that we do together. And as Anna was sharing a little earlier, you know, if you're in conversation with somebody and you're constantly asking, you're taking, right? Yeah. You've got to think of the energetic element of that. And also that's depleting. Yeah. How are you holding space for someone to know that they can kind of say whatever it is that they want to say? Are you holding space at the end of a conversation for for them to reflect and share anything they want to add or anything that they didn't add, but is so important for them to share with the world, you know, so being intentional of like how the conversation is structured and making sure that, mm-hmm. you know, people have and know that they have space and letting them know beforehand as well, because that's not always the case in conversation when you're interviewing, um, incorporating things and finding out like, you know, what do they like? You know, what kind of music do they like? Can we add that into the piece? Mm -hmm. Like little things like that. And I think also, you know, at the end of the shoot, like really being thanking them, getting a card, getting some flowers. Um, You know, it's, it's, everything is relationships in life and like, how do you want to be treated? Right. So kind of making sure that how you're moving through and every single you know, film set, documentary set is different, but bringing that lens to the experience because um, it should feel expansive and not like you've just taken from somebody. 
Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And that was the, I mean, that was, a, I, I did docs for quite some time. I don't know if we talked about this when we chatted, Anna, but I'm going to repeat myself if so. <laughs> but I, when I was doing docs, that I, I did, I don't know, probably 35 different documentaries for Harvard back when I was in Boston, and we used to do a bunch of embedded stuff, and then I worked with a bunch of people doing, like, gang stuff. I, I hit a point, I think, as a as a storyteller myself, where I'm like, I don't think I could do docs anymore, just because of how how the business can be very what's the term I'm looking for? It it, it can be very sort of abusive and sort of take advantage of folks that decide that they want to be on camera, and then there's this weird sort of dynamic of people that know that they're on camera now and they become self-aware that they're on camera. And then they're, I guess I had a lot of issues as a storyteller myself of being like, is this fucking honest still? Is this like an honest thing that's happening now? And like, am I, am I affecting their lives too much while we're shooting this thing? Does all that, I mean, it just got real fucking complicated. Does any of that resonate with you guys? Like, do you feel the same way? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) It's really, it's very complicated. Um, but I don't think it truly has to be. It's the system that we're in now, but it's making small changes to the process along the way and hoping that they stick and they resonate and that it gets amplified out and used in more and more projects. Uh, I think, what Geneva and I try to do both separately and when we work together is like she was saying, create that space that feels really safe, feels very um, thoughtful and thoughtfully designed and also allows the participants to feel super comfortable. Like getting into sort of our process on this film, um, we started with name tags and that was actually something Geneva picked huh. up from another friend who used on set and I'll let you give the shout out to Neva as well. Um, but making sure everyone, you know, saw and heard and knew everyone's name instead of just being like, Oh, Hey, sound guy, <laughs> you know, like help me with this. Um, huh, that's then, interesting. Yeah. That's smart. That's really smart actually. Yep. And, and incorporating little things like that. These it's, it's details, right? It starts as details and then can expand into bigger and bigger steps. But um, getting everyone together before we start filming and going around the room, introducing yourself and sharing, you know, maybe what you're grateful for and including the participant in this. So they feel comfortable. They know everyone's name. It, it sets up the filming process to be a lot more intimate and, less of just a, Hey, tell me your, (laughs) your life story in front of all these strangers. Okay. Thank you. Bye. You know, there's, there's a bit more thought and, um, time put into the process. Yeah. And Geneva as a, cause you've done a bunch of doc work, whether it's for, uh, like commercial companies or you've done doc work on your own. Like, is it, Have you have you ever sat down with a subject and cut something and then the subject's been uh, less than happy with the results of it afterwards? Have you ever found yourself in that situation where I I ask this question because I've been in this situation on on doc films where I think uh, individuals have a perception of who they are 
And then mm-hmm. it's it's like looking in the mirror sometimes when you have someone else shine a light or, or lens, put a lens on you, you actually see yourself the way that other folks may see yourself. And, I, and I've run into times with, uh, with people that we've had on our docs that have been like just completely shocked by it and initially upset by it and then eventually sort of come back around and go, you guys were right. But have you ever run into situations like that before? Um, you know, I think that's such a great point. And I think it, it comes to, you know, the relationship that you build and communication and, the, you know, there's so much involved. And I, and I think I've been very fortunate that that hasn't come up. Yeah. Um, you know, early on, I, I collaborated with a young girl I used to babysit. And in her telling her story, she co-directed the film. It's called Unspoken. Mm-hmm. And she was, and we um, co-directed it along with Julian Niao. And she was fully involved and immersed in the full process. We started when she was 12. And it was communication, respect from the whole thing. And she, she really held, um, you know, the, the direction of the story, right? Because it's her film. It's her story. It's her life. So that was really important for her and for us um, from planning and also into post-production. Mm. She had final sign-off on the film. Mm. And so, you know, she had control of her narrative. And something that's, you know, extremely important for me, and I think in something in moving forward from there and just, you know, and I do a lot of branded directing um, and campaign writing, and I think it is it all has to be intentional, right? Like, like I said earlier, I really want everything to feel like a love note to that person. Even if it's branded, you're weaving in a brand some way. And I've been very fortunate to have brands really see that and, you know, celebrate that and be, you know, you know, really great with like the cuts that I share. Um, But I haven't, I, I think because of the, the relationships that have been built before filming even, you know, I think one of the things that Anna and I also, I think is really important is like can't having that emotional connection and introduction to the people we're going to be in conversation with beforehand Yeah, and building that, that trust and answering questions and asking them questions. And, you know, you're, you're beforehand already, you're already showing them what your intention is and that it is a, a space of love and respect so that when you do get on set, you know, and you do these exercises, shout out to Becky Morrison from the light, um, who like it taught me about name tags and just like <laughs> setting intentions with the team and all these like other great things you know, she's doing a phenomenal job with changing the production industry and making it a safer and healthier environment. Um, it goes a long way, you know, and you take that same energy into post-production, right? So yeah. just keeping thought, like, you know, intention and love going the whole way. Um, and then hopefully you don't run into that, right? Because you're, you're really remembering that this is a piece about celebrating them. Yeah, 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 it's great. It's great to hear that, 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 you feel that way, and it's great to hear that that um, that seems to be the motivation is to is to make this a sort of healthy environment for stuff. Um, and <laughs> I think what you're hearing from me on this end, and I'm trying desperately to filter myself on a Monday morning, <laughs> but there's a sense of like what the longer you're in this business, and I feel like the further up you go in this business, and the further you go in this world, in the dark world, and you start getting into Netflix game, and you start playing like the other game, it's 
there are two different types of docs. There are like the honest docs, which it sounds like both of you and, and Anna, we've talked about this. So it sounds like the both of you are really hyper focused on doing that, which is great to hear. And then there's the sort of like, and I, I'm sure you've run into this uh, Geneva when you do branded content or, or sort of do, like quote, quote docs for corporations. Then there is like the manipulating the narrative docs. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, the docs in the Royal family, with Kardashians, mm. like, like all, straight through where folks are taking the techniques that you've built and the techniques that we have as filmmakers and saying, all right, how do I rebrand the narrative on, you know, our corporate company or how do we rebrand this is, is, do you have any thoughts on that? And, and then as a documentarian, it's always difficult to sort of process how you're going to make money and how you're going to make a living doing this. And I know there's a lot of folks that listen to this show, like many people in our industry right now, everybody's like, I've always wanted to do this, or I've always wanted to be a documentarian. And it's great. In the beginning, I could sort of do this for free. And I can sort of play with my friends and do stuff. But eventually, I'm going to have to have a family and kids and wives. And how do I make a, a living doing this thing without <laughs> without turning to the dark side? <laughs> and, and, you know, so what are your thoughts on that? Oh, Mike, <laughs> a lot in there. Yeah, there is. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Geneva, you want to you wanna start off? Yeah. Yeah. Take off. You know, I got a lot to say about this, Mike. And I think <laughs> one of the things, first of all, is, you know, we have lived in a world that has been dominated by toxic masculinity for far too long and white supremacy. And I'm not about it. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is you know, intertwined in all aspects of our life. And, you know, for me, um, being a woman, being a black woman, being a woman of color, like I, um, as soft as I am, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to be a part of pumping out negative narratives that tear people apart. Yeah. How can my time here be, you know, about bringing people together? And I've been very fortunate with, you know, with like the brands that I've worked with, them understanding who I am and my essence and them celebrating that and giving me space to bring my lens. You know what I mean? And I, so yeah. I haven't had, yeah. there haven't been crazy situations where, you know, of course things are branded and of course you have to like slip in a brand, but them understanding that it, storytelling comes first with amplifying and celebrating these people. And, you know, primarily I focus on black and brown women, disability, marginalized communities. And yep. so it has been a joy <laughs> to be able to do that. But at the same time, you know, um, there are those bigger projects where you, sometimes people want you to play that game. Mm -hmm. And it's about integrity, right? Do you want to play that game? Um, or do you want to be true to yourself and be able to sleep at night? Mm -hmm. um, and sure, maybe you're not going to be making as much money but are you going to be happy with yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I just, you know, I want to be, I want to be happy with myself and I think money's great. You know, hopefully more <laughs> will come my way, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. done in an ethically and, you know, beautiful, respective way because we need more light in this world. It's a fucking dark place. And yeah, it can be, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to be a part of, of pushing those toxic narrat narratives anymore. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to hear that 
that you're so confident about it and, and, and please stay that way. And I think that, um, you know, what ends up happening in our business and <clears throat> this isn't, this isn't me lecturing anybody. This is just letting a lot of the young folks know when they listen. And both of you can agree and disagree with me at any point. But I feel like through my experience in this industry, what ends up happening is that you find something really beautiful in your work when you're when you're not just younger, but when you're just doing your own little projects. When you're doing your own stuff, and there are, there is no sort of there's no ulterior motive. It's just like, let's get together and let's make something that's great. And I find that whenever we work on our own little things, it gets attention. And then suddenly someone goes, oh, I love that thing that you did four years ago. I'd like to pay you to do that exact same thing with this thing. And you go, wow, that's amazing. And then you get pulled into that situation and you're like, actually, this is just a a propaganda piece (laughs) for this sort of thing. And so then you're trying to filter your way through it. And I think the time that I spent doing, because uh, I spent years doing mini docs and all that stuff. And and the further I got up the chain to the point where like, if you've got an agent or a management, you start making your way through that game, everybody's got to make money at a certain point. And then you start to realize, especially in the modern world that we live in right now, the people that have money are these giant corporations that have this cash. And then mm. these folks are often just doing a choosing projects to make cash or to redefine themselves or to try to hide the fact that they're actually behind that whole front room full of uh, uh, mixed folks that they've hired. There's still a white guy in the back corner there just hoping you don't open the closet and see what the fuck is inside there. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to sort of navigate this world of a propaganda machine. And I feel like there's a lot of documentarians that are taken advantage of to do that sort of thing and don't really, they they aren't aware of it or they're concerned about their integrity, but they also are concerned about making money. And I think it's, I think it's great to hear your strong convictions that you have on this. And I, I would just say, keep them <laughs> as, as you confront the tidal wave <laughs> of uh, negativity coming from this guy right now. <laughs> well, you know, I think like, just like a really quick ad. Yeah. It's, um, I'm older than I look. I'm not going to give out my age, Mm -hmm. but sometimes people are shook when I tell them how old I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I kind of like, you keep trying to tear me down slash the world and I'm going to keep rising higher, you know? So I kind kind of, I kind of feel that way. And I know that that's not everyone's path or not everyone is capable of doing that. And it is very heavy to go ahead and do that. But, um, yeah, I think I, I, I prefer to, to bring good than, you know, add fuel to the fire that is, you know, the burning, you know, this world right now. So, yeah. Um, and, and then you surround yourself with amazing people and an amazing community. And, you know, I'm passing it over to Anna. And that's, you know, why we collaborate. Anna is phenomenal. She is a light. You know, she expands me. I feel like we expand each other. You know, the work that she does, um, the way she sees people, you know, how she holds space for them is something that's truly beautiful. And I think, you know, you got to not lose sight of who you are, what you want to do in this world. And to do that, you have to be grounded and you have to surround yourself with beautiful people. 
How'd you two meet? Oh, I mean, <laughs> first, I love you, Geneva. Thank you. That was so sweet. I'm like, wow. Um, could I actually quick add something to sure. that question as well? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, so much of what Geneva is saying is exactly it. Um, but I also think right now in the film industry across the board, we're in a crisis. Yeah. You know, SAG is, is striking. The writers have been striking. That In 2008, that's when they turned to reality TV, and that was the creation, and I feel like that's what's happening again. Yeah. There's this, this just pumping money into sort of thoughtless cinema, you know, and it's it's not being intentional, it's not being thoughtful, and it's not creating an intelligent, nuanced view of the world that we live in. Um, and I think what Geneva and I really hope to do, and let me know what you think about this, Geneva, um, is bringing in that nuance and showing the complexities of the people on this planet and the stories that we want to tell. And a lot of times they're about women, they're about people of color, they're marginalized communities, people with disabilities, um, because those are often the stories that have been left out of the narrative for so long. Yeah. But then I also want to ask, who is allowed to tell these stories? Mm -hmm. Who is gatekeeping the distribution? Um, and so pushing to one fine balance in making money, because I know that is so important, especially if you're not independently wealthy, mm -hmm. which most of us aren't. <laughs> um, it's very true. But I think in the art space, you do find a lot of people who, who come from money and have that backup. Um, so if, if that's not your case, how do you find ways to make ends meet, but stay true to the stories that you want to tell? And I think that's why for so long, so many people have been left out of the storytelling community in the storytelling space, but it's finding that balance of what maybe what commercial work can you take on to then do the heartfelt soul filling projects. And then how do you maintain your integrity as you get noticed and recognized? And it's, it's staying true to what you do, who you are and how you show up and bringing that all the way through to the top dogs like Netflix or any streamer um, and not, not getting pushed over. Well, yeah. Cause that's the difficult, uh, that's the difficult part of this, right? Because, <clears throat> and I think a lot of this is charged. And if I, if I, I apologize, if I, if I sound charged this morning, it, it's just because <laughs> I love it. Bring it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Cause uh, open up this can because we're living in a world right now where we're all fighting to be recognized and we're all fighting. It doesn't matter who you are. We're all fighting to be paid correctly. We're all fighting to be, uh, as an artist, to sort of battle against this, this slogan, which boils my blood, which is, this isn't personal, it's business, which is bullshit. And I think mm. that our jobs, the three of us, we're not doing our jobs to the point where our clients will get upset with us if we're not personally connected to what it is that we're doing. If if they don't feel like our hearts are in it, if they don't feel like that it's changing our lives as, as creators, then they don't want us to do it. It's it's part of the pitch. It's what we do. And so when we start talking about 
uh, reality TV and docs, and you brought up an interesting point, Anna, and uh, and I was just, br- I won't mention what streamer it was, but I was going through one of the streamers last night. Reality TV came about ultimately because they don't want to pay writers. <laughs> Right. They they don't want to pay writers. And so what they what they started to do was like, hey, we'll throw some money at camera people and we'll we'll uh, have someone that is in charge of running the whole thing. So that'll be a director. And this is super inexpensive. Or they'll come up with some sort of like, you know, the bachelor on the island that needs to just, you know, survive or whatever the fuck it is. And and then they (laughs) just throw a bunch of camera people together. And what they're doing is they're just creating hours and hours and hours of content. And as a camera operator and a cinematographer myself on those things, that's one of the reasons why I'm in physical therapy every week, just shooting fucking paint drying on a wall for reality TV shows. Hours and hours of content that they can then sell commercials for. And so when we sort of look at the larger picture here, and I agree with you that there are people that haven't had their stories told, it's because it it wasn't financially feasible. There wasn't money for them to be made on that stuff yet. And so as we sort of push into this new period of time where we're going to be in strike probably through November, if not October or or, or not December rather. And Mm -hmm. so these networks need consistent content and they're going to go out there and look for the cheapest stuff possible because they're known for that. And what they're going to hunt for is whatever the hot new topic is right now and the stuff that will bring them the most information. And then they'll exploit the hell out of that. And so I think a lot of the times when I see stuff that's done on on these services, even if they supposedly are helping marginalized communities, it's like, no, you're not. You're just fucking taking advantage of those people again right. and making money off of them and not paying anybody that's involved with making that stuff. And so how do you navigate that world as a as a, as a director and as a cinematographer for documentaries, you know? Anyway. It's- hard <laughs> it's really <laughs> tricky they're, they're the goliaths you know um and we're all the davids so it's it's also finding partners that don't exploit you know and that you can trust and that you can create with like i know i can always go to geneva and we can concept something that's really beautiful and thoughtful and then we'll find a partner who wants to collaborate and tell that kind of story in a way that isn't, you know, in a taking and uh, unethical way. Uh, But it's, it's not easy, especially with the big streamers. They, they're really just caring about their bottom line. You know, they're going to do whatever makes them the most money and whatever works for them in that time. It's just, yeah, it's such a huge problem. I don't have an answer for it. I don't well, I mean, know. Geneva, I, I, what do you think? <laughs> well, I kind of feel, and Anna, I love everything that you just said. I think, like, you know, as, like, loving and, you know, peace, peaceful as I am, I'm also like, let's fuck shit up, you know? <laughs> and, like, you know, you said earlier, this isn't personal, this is business. Why don't we Why don't we flip the narrative? This isn't business, this is personal, yep. right? Like, yep. I think we forget the power that we have. We are, you know, in such a time and world um, that is so divisive and it's done, you know, strategically. What happens when we come together, right? Like... Um, you know, that's when things actually change. So there's opportunity for facing, 
you know, big business, big platforms, et cetera. And, you know, claiming, you know, really like honing on, you know, what's important to us. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, changing that narrative or building things on our own and collaborating with people that are like-minded and making things that are important to us. And, um, I don't know. I just, I just think, I think as disheartening as it is with everything that's going on with the strike and in the world, um, can we write a new narrative? I agree with you. And I think I don't necessarily, and just sort of chime in on the tail of that, I don't see it disheartening that there's a strike. I think it's good that there's a strike because, and I've, I've talked about this in nauseam, but I'm going to continue to talk about this on the show. <laughs> I think that I've seen and we've seen what is happening to the movie industry happen to the photography industry. It's already happened to the music video industry. It's already happened to the commercial industry because those industries don't have unions. There aren't mm -hmm. strong unions for this. There isn't a strong documentarian union. There isn't a strong union for any reality TV stuff. I mean, it's intentionally non-union. The first thing that a producer asks for any of that stuff is anybody on the crew union, get, get, if they are, get them the fuck out of here. And when they ask you that, it's, you specifically understand that they're going to be abusing you in one way or another. They're going to be underpaying you. They're going to be putting you through ridiculous amount of hours. They're going to uh, uh, change contracts on you. They're going to bully you with legal departments. Like this stuff sort of exists. And I think the power and I'm, I'm I'm totally fine not working for six months if if the biggest unions in our industry can actually do what we're asking them to do, which is change the narrative, change the change the script, like rot yeah. rotate it around. And I've never been a I'm always half and half on unions, right? I always think that the collection of people coming together and standing up for themselves is really important, but I also feel like there's a lot of corruption that runs through unions as well, which makes things difficult. So it's always this half and half game, but. I, I wish our industries or the other industries, are the, like the, the, the photography world is a, a great way to sort of examine everything that's happening because in the photography world, there's such a heavy competition between everybody. There is a, a strong sense of um, what is the, uh, the imposter syndrome running through that industry and the companies understand that and utilize that and take advantage of that whether you're talking about photographers or commercial directors. And I know working in that industry, Geneva, you probably experienced that where they pit bids against each other and, and directors mm -hmm. against each other, correct? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's extremely competitive and sometimes it's hard to not take things personally, you know, but you also, I think like it, it can tear you down as an artist. And I think it's so, it could be extremely unhealthy and it's so important to not take things seriously or personally, you know, um, at the end of the day, I want to look at this as an opportunity to play and connect and get to meet people. Yes. And, yes. and that is a joy I like to live in joy. Um, one thing I do want to say, I don't think the word, I don't think I meant disheartening in that sense, especially of like talking about the, the what's happening with the strike. I think what is, really upsetting and heartbreaking is the effects of the strike yes. and how what is happening to our community right and just in general like it's you know these things that are happening to you know our community but also our community extended you know we need to care for one another 
a lot more, um, not walk by people that are in need? Are we checking in on our friends? You know, do they need a meal? Can we host a dinner, even if it's like, you know, a pasta night or whatever it is and have some laughs? But like we need each other right now. And I think we always need each other. But, um, you know, what what these, you know, these powers that be are doing um, is extremely heartbreaking. But what's going to come out of it um, is, you know, the possibility is really exciting. Yes, yes, I agree with you completely. I love that. I love that. We do the same thing here where it's like dinners two or three times a week and you're trying to support because it seems like everybody that we know, because you know, you're in the business. So all your friends typically end up being in the business, right? So I'll get like three calls a day. I'm like, I don't know if I could do this anymore. <laughs> it's like, I get it. I get it. Write it out. Write it out. It, it's, it's, it is part of that. And I think what you don't want to have happen, which is what they want to have happen. You don't want us to turn on each other. And what ultimately happens is they like to string things out. And and I know we're kind of shifting narrative and we'll, we'll come back on this, on this episode, but what they like to do with anything, it isn't just the strikes. Even if you're bidding on a job or if you're up for a gig, they'll pit you against each other. And they know that there's a sense of desperation that runs strong between everybody. And, and so the dangerous thing is, is that out of desperation, a lot of folks just turn on each other and then they start to turn on themselves and they don't believe in their work and they don't believe that they're worth the amount that they should bid for. They don't believe that they should hold out and not go with that distributor because they're making them change the edit. They don't believe that they, the way that the narrative is crafted for us is that if I say no, this is my one opportunity and I'll never have another opportunity again. And that's not the fucking truth. The truth of the matter is, is if you're working honestly and making great content, you're going to have multiple opportunities and multiple people are going to come knocking. And if you stay confident the same way that you both are confident about your work and you're defining your work by your confidence, right? And by what it is that you love to do, that is powerful. Then you start to rise above the sea of folks that are turning on each other and you become someone that is long, long lasting and you have a reputation and a brand that you've subtly created by being confident through the whole portion of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I know I was on a rant there. <laughs> no, I love it. It's exactly it. And Geneva and I talk about this all the time. I feel like we, we have these conversations because when as creatives, we, we need to, but then also we always come back to the point that we all rise together, right? There's yes. There is no point to tear each other down because look at what that's gotten us being so divisive. It doesn't get you anywhere. It only lets the big guy win, right? So there's always enough work. I feel like there's this scarcity mindset, but there's so much work out there everyone has a story. Everyone needs video to share something about their, their brand or commercial or a documentary or what have you. There's so much there. And if you can just define your voice and find the right partners um, and build community, like what I love about Geneva is the way she shows up and builds community and is such a light mm. through it people will go to her for those exact things. And if you can do exactly that and be identifiable in those ways, 
it'll be okay. There will be more. <laughs> There's always going to be more. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, is it okay if I add to that? Sure, please do. Just, I think too, you know, you know, we also like there's, it, there's, it's so toxic to also just have to be in this space of comparing ourselves, right? Like yeah. it doesn't help in like our personal lives, you know, like why should we bring that into our professional lives? And, you know, I think like also in bidding when you're being bid for a job and say it's like a triple bid, mm-hmm. I never I never want to know who else I'm bidding and maybe this is not everybody does this, but it doesn't matter to me because then if I knew, then I would put myself in a space of maybe I would start comparing and then like questioning my work, but it's like, keep yourself, like keep your blinders on, remember what it is that's unique about you, what's special about you and keep doing that. And if you don't get this job, right, don't oversell yourself. Like if you don't get this one, the right one won't come along and it might not come right away, but it will come along and you will feel better and the way you make it will just be so much more um, aligned with who you are as a being, you know? Um, and I think that that's, I think, I think if we can do more of that and just like remember that every single one of us is unique, we bring something like really magical and special to, you know, you know, as being artists, but in the world itself um, and just to trust that. Okay, I'm gonna take a quick break, talk and uh, talk about the companies, the the men and women that support the show, the companies that I hunted out specifically because I believe in what they do, I believe in the way they support filmmakers, and judging by my rants on this show, you know I'm pretty passionate about that stuff, and I do filter through companies. I just had a company call me the other day, and they're like, "This is what we do, and we use this like." weird sort of financial th- i'm like what, what the fuck is this about I, I obviously they're not going to sponsor the show because i called them out on it immediately on the phone call i'm like sounds like a fucking scam dude you know so i'm trying i'm trying to filter through that stuff i'm trying to make a little bit of money on the show so we stay afloat i stay in business it keeps things going and so the, these companies that we're talking about now uh the ones that support us on the show i vetted so they're good, they're good folks, as far as I know, and they uh, make great products that I use. So first up, let's, uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room, Fujifilm. Of course, they are sponsoring today's episode. This is a Fujifilm series episode. Um, and uh, if you are in the market for a Fujifilm camera, uh, I think this episode's coming out in the future. I think they will finally be talking about their new camera that's on the market right now, which is awesome. But uh, Gene and I have been using Fujifilm cameras forever. The GFX100S, the HX2S. Um, love both their rigs. Love the color profile from Fujifilm cameras. Uh, they're affordable. They're the best kind of camera to have in your kit at home. So when you just want to jump up and go shoot some stuff, it's awesome. And then if you're talking about a documentary rig, oh, awesome. Low profile. Right, so then the subjects that you're filming aren't freaked out because you've decided that you want to shoot this on an Alexa with a fucking dolly and a fucking twenty-person crew. <laughs> like, if you want to embed yourself, and I know why Anna uses this stuff. If you want to embed yourself and feel like you're seamlessly a part of the subjects that you're shooting, you probably want to look at a small camera and 
I highly suggest you check out the X-H2S from Fujifilm. Great rig for that. Great rig for that. And their new camera is even better. I don't, it's weird because I, I'm recording this right on the 14th of August, we know. And uh, I'm not allowed to talk about the new camera yet, but I think this episode is going to come out when the new camera comes out. So what do I do? And I'm too lazy to re-record these, uh, <laughs> these ad reads. So check them out. I would check out. Go to the links in the description of the episode. I'm sure if there's a new camera out, it'll be all over the place. You'll hear me talking about it at, on my podcast. I'll post about it on my uh, Instagram. Jesus Christ, my brain just shut down. I'll post it on my Instagram as well. Uh, but go check out the links. And remember, the links are trackable links, man. So if you want to support the show, the easiest way to do, you should be doing this every episode. Just click the links in the description of this episode. It lets my sponsors know that you're listening. And we can continue making this stuff. And if you get yourself a Fujifilm camera, I think we're still going to be uh, doing it. I'll give you guys an ad read because I know this is for the future. We use Photo Deox, right? So we have Photo Deox lens adapters because Gina and I had a bunch of Nikon gear before we decided to jump to Fujifilm. We jumped to Fujifilm because we thought that their high ISO stuff was amazing. Uh, their, their color profile was phenomenal, but it's a scary thing to jump ship, right? To go from one manufacturer to the other, especially when you have a closet full of lenses. And you're like, well, how am I going to find, I got to buy all these lenses again and they're not going to be the vintage ones that I have. Uh, don't worry about it. You can go to a company like Photo Deox. That's F-O-T-O. Let me just start that again. Here we go. That's F-O-T-O-D-I-O-X. Photo Deox. They make all sorts of stuff, lights. They do all sorts of stuff on their website. But why I love them is that they do these lens adapters. So now I'm able to take all my really cool old school macro lenses and adapt them with a Photo Deox adapter to my Fujifilm camera and still shoot that stuff. But with a better chip, better sensor, the whole deal. It's cool, right? The combination of those two changes everything. And I got my hands on a PL-mounted Photo Deox lens adapter, which means that I can put cinema lenses on my Fujifilm cameras. You know those super expensive lenses, like the lenses that they use to shoot Batman or the lenses that they use to shoot you? That show on uh, Netflix, which looks really good, but I'm not a big fan. Gina loves that show. You. Um... I like to go and get cinema lenses and put them on my Fujifilm camera, but they're expensive. I'm not going to buy those lenses. You can't afford those. How do you get your hands on them? You got to make a good relationship. You got to form a good relationship with your local rental house. And here in Los Angeles, the best place to go is Boca Rentals. Boca Rentals. So check out Boca Rentals. Uh, com or them on Instagram. This is the place to go for all of your camera support needs. They love young filmmakers. They love young cinematographers. That's the deal with them. So they like to uh, meet everybody, hook up new relationships with folks. They have training seminars. It is the place to go here in Los Angeles. Uh, if you aren't Martin Scorsese and you want to have a solid relationship, you want to be able to get the gear when you show up, you don't want the stuff to disappear on you, oh, you know, uh, I love the guys over at Boca Rentals. Check them out. And if you check out their Instagram, you'll see uh, they do a lot of like posts where it's like, here's the lens that was used to shoot this. And we, this is the lenses that we have. All that stuff is very useful when you're putting together a new project and you're trying to define the visual look of it, the language of it, one would even say. So check all that stuff out. Boca Rentals. 
also supporting the show, our friends, longtime friends from Puget Systems. Now, like I said, in August, I just hung out with these guys last week. They were in town. We went out on the town. We had fun. Uh, we ended up going to, uh, I don't know if you guys in Los Angeles know it, but there's this really cool speakeasy club called Break Room 86. And the dudes went there with me. I love those guys. We were talking movies. We were talking film. We were talking all sorts of really fun stuff the whole night. Um, and that's what I love about Puget Systems. Once again, a company that is run by individuals that really care about us as artists, right? And they want to be a part of it. Puget Systems is the place to go if you're on the market for a new computer. If you're going to build yourself a new edit machine, if you're going to build yourself a new uh, gaming machine, whatever you, you need a computer for, you don't have to spend ridiculous amounts of money on an un unboxing experience. You know what I mean? Build yourself a PC. They're stable. They're upgradable. Um, the marketplace for all the hardware for PCs is highly competitive. So all those prices come way the fuck down immediately after they're released. So like motherboards or, or graphics cards, those prices plummet pretty quick. So like if you're someone that isn't jumping at the bit to build uh, a machine with new hardware that just came out that week, you wait a month and then you're good to go. And here's the thing, you could build your own computer, but it's a pain in the ass. My roommate's going through it right now. He's trying to diagnose everything that's going on with his machine. I think it's the power supply. I think it's, oh God, the hard drive failed. I can't figure out what this thing is. I, it's a nightmare. I don't want to build my own computer anymore. I used to do that when I was a kid. So I found this company, Puget Systems. Go to PugetSystems.com. They build computers. They build machines. They don't make equipment. They don't manufacture hardware. So they're not peddling off a warehouse full of plastics on you. These guys go through the hard, painstaking process of benchmark, benchmark testing all this hardware, uh, testing it with all the new software upgrades, and really coming up with a very researched list of what works and what doesn't work based upon the software you're going to use on a machine. They're a great resource. PewDieSystems.com. I'm telling you, it's the place to go if you're going to build a new computer. Tell them I sent you and ask them about my machine. Build something better. PewDieSystems.com. Okay, back to the show. I appreciate you both for, for for letting me go. Look, we could we could do a fluff piece, right? Like this could be uh, an episode where I'm like, it's great, you guys went and did a doc and we talk about stuff, but I haven't seen the doc yet. And so, like, I think it's important that in a time period we because we have this platform, um, because there's a lot of young documentarians and a lot of directors that listen to the show. I think it's important we talk about the realities of these things and how this actually happens and how this work plays with us, because you know. If, you, if you're deciding to do what we do, I'm I'm sure you both have given up a lot of things to do this job, right? Like you've made mm -hmm. a lot of sacrifices to get down this path, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> daily, yeah, daily, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I know I'm stating the obvious, but we got to put it out there. So <laughs> so we've all made sacrifices to get down this road, right? And and. Uh, 
I'm speaking for myself, and I'm sure you both uh, agree with me, on a daily basis in this bipolar industry, we're constantly judging ourselves. We're constantly going, am I doing the right thing today? Have I done enough today? Is this... Did I did I handle that phone conversation correctly with that producer? And why did I lose that job? Did I do everything the right way for that? Like that that with us is is a is a, a thread that's been for me. It's been going through my head for like twenty five years. Consistent. It's always there. Do you guys feel the same way? Oh man, yes. <laughs> There's like that um, that little voice in your head, you know. It's self-reflection, but it's also, you know, as much as I hate it, it's imposter syndrome, right? Like, do I deserve to be in the room? Do I deserve to be on the phone call? And it's just talking yourself off that ledge and then trying to be objective about those thoughts and be like, okay, what, what could I do better next time? Um, Maybe this is why it didn't work, but you know, that's okay. Maybe it wasn't the right job at the right time. And uh, something better will come along that feels more aligned and in tune. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely not an easy job. And I think the way you described it as being bipolar is very accurate. You know, you have these big pendulum swings of nothing to so busy you barely can see your friends or even eat a meal you know and yeah it's it's all of that in between scheduling life balance imposter syndrome what are you sacrificing what are you gaining because it also gives so much um and you know living with (laughs) all of that in your head at one time well I, I, i don't you don't need to hear it from me but we've talked twice and I've seen your work. You don't have to worry about it, Anna. You deserve to be here. You both <laughs> did you you both deserve to be here. Just like Geneva, just your outlook and the way that you're processing crews and the way that you're processing people. You both deserve to be here. And I'm I'm not giving you permission to be here. I, it's just we don't say this enough to each other as as filmmakers and as folks. I I disagree with you. I like to know who I'm bidding against because when I go through the process of bidding with those folks, I'll call them and go, here's how much I'm putting in for. Here's how much they're offering me. How much are they offering you? Oh, they're offering you 20% less than they're offering me. What does that say about their opinion of you? You should charge the same thing I'm charging. Don't Mm -hmm. underbid yourself because you're worth it. You're in the mix. Like we should Mm -hmm. be giving each other confidence for everything that we do. And I think this is important to hear. If you decide, if you're at home, and this is Mike going on a rant, if if you're at home and you decide that you're going to do this path and you're going to do it and you go out and you shoot something, even if you go make a documentary on your younger brother or if you go make a film on your grandparents or you're convinced by your friend that is a startup company and you go make something for their coffee company, if you go through that process, if you go shoot it, you go direct it and you put it out, You now are a director, a filmmaker, a documentarian. You are one because you've done it. And all the steps that you've done on that little piece are the same exact steps that they do on the big pieces for Netflix. It's all the fucking same. (laughs) It is. So, right? So, like, if if you do it, you've earned it. So then feel that. 
And then at, at the end of the day, I'd rather we all got judged. Like if I lost a job to you two, because someone came to me and said, Mike, we want you to potentially write a bid on a, a women motorcycle club and they ride around and do stuff and you need to be able to sort of break their, get to the root of why they're doing this. I'd go, you guys win that job. <laughs> like I don't have the, A, I don't have the access to that, but B, I probably shouldn't be the guy telling that story. So I think it's great. That's, that's where I'd rather lose jobs and bids to. I'd rather congratulate the person that gets the bid than feel bitter over the fact that they got lied to and they got that job for a fraction of the price. And at, at the end of the day, it's the big, it's the big guys that won again. You mm. know what I mean? You know, Mike, one of the, one of, I, I love your outlook here. And I think it's important um, because, you know, not my, the way I like to look at it isn't going to work for everybody. You know what I mean? So it's like, you've got to find what's going to work best for you. Mm -hmm. And I think you just even just sharing, like understanding, like what, you know, what is the rate that they're offering? And I think that that's an important conversation too, that people really need to explore and have conversations about, right? Because um, depending on who you are, but also, you know, this world is, is what it is, you know, being a woman, being, you know, um, you know, a person of color or whatever it might be, like there are there are conversations that we need to have in community in understanding and being reminded of, um, I'm speaking, you know, highly speaking to myself right now. Of <laughs> it's good. Our, it's fine. Our value. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, just, I'm just such an excited person, you know, like, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, Anna, let's do this. You know, like, Oh my God, let's just do it for free. You know, like I, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I just can't wait to like, you know, and Anna is always good. At, she's like, girl, <laughs> you know don't give it away don't give it away i think that's also you know in life in general and you know it's such an important thing is um you know understanding your magic well yeah because it, it does a couple things for you right so first off you can you can eat <laughs> so you can continue <laughs> yeah. to eat you can continue to pay your rent but then second it creates a value not only with the clients, but also with the audience, right? Because the audience suddenly goes, this person, if this person is being, if this person is being paid to do this stuff, that means they've gone through some sort of initial filtration process. And especially in a world where, you know, anybody can make anything and then just sort of dump it into the ocean of content that exists out there. Like, how do you separate yourself from every and all things that are out there. I mean, like our, our industry is so bloated right now. Um, it, it's, it's insane. So I think that valuing yourself and understanding that there's a value to your time. And I, I think that's something that a lot of folks don't think about when they work on our stuff, right? Because uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but when, when we decide to direct or shoot anything, if they paid us by the hour, what we should be paid by the hour, it would cost millions of dollars. <laughs> Just, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the prep time and, yes. you know, counting even the hours put into a pitch deck that goes into a bid, that's all unpaid. And if you don't get the job, yeah. you just don't get paid and you've done all of this free labor. There needs to be a change. Like, there yes. needs to be a real shift in time in, time out, money in, money out. It can't just be like, 
I love this. So I'm going to do it for free because yes, that's amazing. And maybe there are sole projects where you do that, but not on a sustainability level. You know, we need to live our lives. Maybe you want to have a family. Maybe you want to buy a house or pay rent, whatever it is. I understand, Anna. And I think too, like just coming, like those, there's a time and a place for projects um, that are non-paying, right? So like expansive, creative, fun projects that you can come together with your fellow collaborators. That's why, you know, Anna and I love creating together and like bringing, you know, community together so that we can all remember to have fun because also, you know, sometimes these larger paying jobs, you know, are also, you know, highly stressful, et cetera, et cetera. And like having those moments between, between, you know, paid gigs where you remember why you love this, where you're helping your friend making their script a reality, um, your friends first, t- you know, you, you want your friend to have like, help them have their first like opportunity to DP on something, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. Like, let's not forget to play because even in the play, like that comes through as magical and then that helps our real. Right. And then, so there's, there's absolutely a time and place for everything. And like Anna is my playmate. Can I do a quick shout out really quick? Um, Geneva and I, speaking of projects that play and doing stuff for free and, you know, that, that same duality, right? Like we're all complicated people with lots of layers and there's some projects where you want to just play and you want to play with a, a group of collaborators that you bring together. Um, for example, we just did, a music video actually about um, one of Geneva's friends who is this incredible artist, Rich. And, you know, Geneva put this incredible team to get together and we co-directed it and we did it in a day. And it was such a great reminder of all of us coming together to just create for creation's sake and to have fun and make something really beautiful uh, and that was amazing. That was that was such an incredible day, and it was so fun to watch it come together and post. And then you know, then you have maybe some other jobs on the side that are less fun, <laughs> um, but pay the bills. And just always finding that that balance that allows for sustainability, because that's what's so difficult in this job. Well, can we ask you a couple questions about the music video? So is the was the artist for that music video is that artist on a major label? Um he is not on a major label um but he's been around for some time and is phenomenal. <laughs> he's phenomenal. His name is Rich in the song um that we worked on with him for the music video. It's like a music video doc. It's called Still Alone and it's a very personal um personal song and story. It sounds awesome. And let me ask the second question. Is he about to do uh, a massive tour where he's going to make a bunch of money on tour? (laughs) Well, he's in the middle of a tour. I don't know if it's a massive tour, but it's a, it's, it is a tour. Um, and he's going across, he has been going across the U S. Um, so if anybody hears of rich playing near him, near you know, your location, please go and check him out. Cause he puts on a phenomenal, phenomenal show. I can't wait to check out his stuff. And I ask these questions because I do, I want to draw a distinction here. I think that 
a lot of folks decide to do free passion work and quotes in passion work for the wrong folks. So like if, if, uh, if the Deftones approach you and say, and their management approaches you and say, hey, guess what? This is a great opportunity for you to have fun and get your friends together and do like a real, really cool, free or very inexpensive passionate piece. You're being taken advantage of because then they're right. going to use that music video to make millions of dollars on tour to 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 put it out there and own the rights for everything and then bear, maybe they'll give you credit underneath that music video. I I just want to be clear about this because I think there's a lot of folks that are like, "Oh, uh Puma reached out to me and they're going to give us $2,000 and we're going to do a uh, a passion piece." No, you're doing a commercial for $2,000, dude. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I'm right there with the both of you. I've done passion. Pe- the only music videos that I'll ever do now, and I had a career as a music video director, are for friends or for folks that I know really well that aren't going to make a ton of money on this stuff if they're not going to pay me the kind of money that's there for it. And then we'll go off and have a good time and we'll learn and we'll do things. The, you have to, as a creator, create that line and that distinction. And if you're going to, it's like saying to a chef, Hey, I heard that you got together with a bunch of other chefs and you guys all cook for each other and it was really great. It was free and you did that stuff. And then some restaurateur comes in and goes, how about you do that in my restaurant, but we'll serve it to people. It's like, no. Right. right. In no other industry would anyone ever ask for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Um, but yeah, it's it comes back to the all rise together for me, you know, like yeah. rich isn't on a huge label, but this music video could maybe help him get to that if that's his goal. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the hope is if you do something for a friend or for the community, that it helps them get to where they want to go. And it can also help you. But if like, yeah, if, I don't know, Beyonce comes to you and is like, hey, do my music video for free. Well, maybe if it's Beyonce, I don't know. But like, <laughs> yeah, if there's like millions whoa, whoa, of people, wait a no, no, no. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I just love Beyonce. But like, no. Yeah, but I, <laughs> you would love her even more if she paid you. <laughs> yeah, I would love her even more if she paid me. No, you should be paid, obviously, and especially if it's someone who's going to capitalize on your work. Yeah. You need to be compensated for what you're bringing, which is your voice, your talent, and your time. I think it's absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So, I just want to add too. you know, like, and I think like Anna and I really just like resonated with the importance of like, uh, first of all, we love Rich and he's a, a beautiful human being, but like the story that he really wanted to share with the world. And like, you know, he wrote the song when he was 17 and it has a lot to do with his identity and not seeing any kind of, you know, not seeing, um, you know, anything on TV that represented, you know, he's, he was a young queer teen and, didn't see representation on TV and what that felt like being alone, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think like we, Anna and I just were like, yeah, we want to, we want to be a part of like letting people know that they're not alone and to share his story and to share also the evolution of what aloneness means and the empowerment of that. So I think too, like, yeah, you know, like he, there's, there's that importance of the story element too that we're like fuck yeah we want to be a part yeah, of this yeah yeah, you know? yeah, yeah nobody yeah. should feel alone well it sounds like you both did it for the right reasons 100 percent. and it, it, if i was setting it up i wasn't trying to bait you <laughs> yeah the way they just try to because i had a feeling that you both were doing it for the right reasons and i wanted to prove a point and i think we have which is you know 
let's get rid of the imposter syndrome and let's not let the larger folks uh, convince us of otherwise. And if we are supporting these things and like if the three of us got together and made something and we were like, let's just hang out, let's go shoot something, let's make it really cool. That's what we do on our own time. That's that's almost not business time. That's like hangout play time. And yeah. how do we get back to a, a, an industry in which we can put a, a real fine fence across that and say, no, 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 no. What I do on my own time, if you like those pieces, they're real great. I'll charge you for them. But that's that's the difference between business time and, and personal time, you know? Exactly. I feel like in this industry, it's so difficult to – no, no, no. Let me – there's something in my head. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. But mm-hmm, – mm-hmm. I think there's this perception that all we do is play, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, we we get to play, we get to collaborate, and I think we all feel very fortunate that we're able to do that. But it's also our time, it's the years of experience put into it. It's what you've given up and it's what you've, you've sacrificed to get to where you are. And that shouldn't be discounted just because maybe externally it looks like this fabulous career that you get to have it doesn't mean you're not worth paying, you yes. know, or there isn't money that needs to be allocated to all of those factors. Uh, and I think that sometimes when you're starting out, you think, oh, maybe I can just do it for free because it is this great opportunity from Puma, for example, or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be. But you need to be fairly compensated. Otherwise, it's never going to change, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, you know, like it's like it, it, it like flip it again, flip that narrative. You know, this brand gets the opportunity to work with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like Mm -hmm. who should be holding the power in that conversation? You should absolutely get compensated, compensated well, not just fairly, but like we should be living, you know, in abundance. Mm -hmm. Right. Like not in a, a scarcity mindset. And, and understanding your uniqueness, um, you know, your excellence, you know, the power that you bring to a project and that, you know, people like this brand or whoever, you know, gets to work with you. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's great. <laughs> and, and, and I know the both of you, I mean, Anna, it doesn't matter what camera's in your hand. Like the, the reason why you're getting hired, the reason why you both are getting hired to do this thing is because of the pink stuff between your ears. You know, it's the, it's the experience. It's your brain. It's the way you see things. It's how you process things. That's what makes you valuable. And it like the the further we can acknowledge that as creators and and not get so hung up on the fact like, well, I've I own an Alexa. Oh, oh cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like or uh, I you know, I know how to do this specific technique and I do that technique on all my documentaries. Well, you'll that's 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 nothing. You should be judging yourself on your life experiences, on what it is that you've done and how you process things with folks and whether or not you're empathetic and whether or not you can be out and around people and learn from them and have a conversation with people and listen to what the other people say while you're talking. Like that's the value that we have. That's the value that you both have as filmmakers. And if, if, if that's what we're being judged by our peers with for specific tasks that come our way, then that's where we should, that's the life that we should want. That's, 
I'd rather lose jobs because someone has more life experience with something than I do. That makes sense to me. You, mm-hmm. you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, that deeply resonates. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. But, uh, and, and you know, and just because you're out there, and oftentimes there are jobs that we want to take or there, there are things that we want to shoot that cost money, even if it's our own little projects that we want to do or our playtime with our friends. And there are companies out there and there are folks out there that celebrate the artist more than the, the brand, you know, and, you know, this is me bringing around to Fujifilm. Mm-hmm. And, and yes. I agree with me, and you guys could jump in on this, but I, the thing I love about Fujifilm is the fact that we're talking right now, the fact that I've got a list from Fujifilm saying we need to celebrate these filmmakers. It's not at no point in their email that I could read through it. At no point in their email that they go, uh, promote this camera and promote this thing and, and say Fujifilm like six times or seven times. It's just the filmmakers and put the filmmakers up on the on the pedestal and let them have uh, a format to speak. How do you two feel about working with Fujifilm? Oh, I mean, <laughs> um, they are just sorry. I mean, I love them <laughs> so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Fujifilm. When you talk about you know collaborators or people to create with, teams to create with, brands to create with, Fujifilm is sort of in a category by itself, I feel like. Yeah. They won't ask you to drop, you know, the Fujifilm name 10 times throughout the film or have these additional rules and restrictions around storytelling. They just say, hey, here's our camera. Go play. Go create. And we trust you as filmmakers, as artists, as collaborators and will love the product and that's really special that's really really special i agree i agree i feel like and I, i've talked to so many uh filmmakers that have worked with them at this point uh because it's no it's no secret they're a sponsor of the show and the, and i've talked about this before and i feel like i have to say this um, the only reason they're sponsors of the show is because Victor and I met randomly at an Adobe party out here, had a lot of drinks together. We started to talk about life. And I <laughs> said, you should come on my show, barely knowing what he did. And he came on the show. We talked. And then afterwards, we went out for, for a meal. And he goes, we want to support the podcast. Like, that's how <laughs> they work. You mm-hmm. know? Um, mm-hmm. How was your experience with them, uh, Geneva? Um. You know, I got to say, Anna introduced me to the Fujifilm family, and I am so grateful. You know, it's not every day that you get to, you know, Anna and Anna and I love having our ideation sessions. It's just a flow of, a continual flow of, like, fun ideas and things that we want to do. And to be able to then share concepts with Fujifilm and... For them to be like, yeah, we want to fund this. Yeah. You know, and there's no, not, there, there's no like, oh, creatively, we want you to change this or do that or da, da, da. They're like, yeah, we, we love this. We love who you are. We love your vision, what you do. Go and make it. Yeah. And I've never, ever experienced this before in my creative life. And it was, it was, and it is, it has been such a gift to, 
to get to experience this, to have an idea and for it to be free and for it to, you know, be something that Anna and I get to create together along with our team, every single person involved in front and behind the camera is is magical. And it's, you know, what they're doing is they're supporting art. They're keeping, they're like, they're helping us keep art and artists like thriving and alive and playing and creating and getting inspired and inspiring. That's what this is all about. And I'm, you know, continuously blown away by their kindness, their generosity. It's, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit overwhelming when you're used to being in a space of like constantly pitching and like people questioning your value and, Oh, what if you do this? Or if you change that, um, and having to compromise the integrity or like, you know, like the, or the question of like people really wanting you to change what it is that you, you know, your vision and what you're passionate about where Fujifilm was like, okay, yeah, we love this. <laughs> do it. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. You get to do it with Anna. Like, I know we're so lucky. <laughs> so great. Well, and, and, and I also want to point out because I know that there's probably some like disgruntled folks that are listening to this going, well, yeah, you're lucky you got chosen. They've chosen a lot of fucking people <laughs> to do this and from all sorts of different walks of life. And one would say, I almost want to put a call out to all these other manufacturers and all these other camera companies and all these other folks that manufacture stuff because. In my experience, and I've, I've spent a lot of time with these folks, and I'm sure, Anna, you've spent time with a lot of these different companies. Like, m- most of the time, I would say generally, I feel like these guys are in the business of getting another Lamborghini. Like, most <laughs> of the time, I feel like they're on a hunt, and they're preying on, there are specific companies that I feel like are preying on us as filmmakers, and once again, are um, what, what the imposter syndrome issue. And it's like, if you don't own this camera, then you're not a professional. If you don't own this laptop, then you're, you can't say that you're a filmmaker until you own this laptop or you subscribe to our software. I mean, that's the pre- like like vultures that preying on that happens in our community, in our business. I don't know if you two have seen it on like Instagram. How many fucking assholes are out there like teaching classes and like, this is how you become a filmmaker or do you want to get all these clients, you know? And at the end of the day, you do the research on that person that's running that class and you go, you haven't done anything. I've seen your IMDb. <laughs> so to have a company like this that truly cares about us as filmmakers and cares about us as storytellers, not only are they bringing new light to new voices, but they're also doing such a smart marketing campaign for themselves as a company because they're branding themselves and they're putting themselves in with the next generation of filmmakers and not trying to convince the Scorseses and the Spielbergs out there to change their path. And they're focused on us as new, as new voices, which is amazing. But then they're also changing that entire fucking narrative of the preying on, on us as filmmakers narrative. So. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry as I rant. But like at, at the end of it, like I would put this call out to other manufacturers. And I know that this is a Fujifilm sponsored episode. Yeah, I get it, guys. But also the rest of you, wake the fuck up and stop spending money and stop putting money into these ad agencies that ultimately don't give a shit and they're gonna go back out there and put us against each other in a bidding war because they just want to get that contract. 
and keep most of the money and underpay us for that stuff. How about you do this sort of thing? We approach the people and the artists and the storytellers that you need to validate your, your equipment and your gear. And why not do it in a healthy way and support us and love us? Because we'll love you for it. And that's the thing. Like, Fujifilm is opening the doors right there, like, allowing for, like you said, these new voices, new storytellers, new creators to step in and share. And for me, that comes back to what we started the podcast talking about, which is yes, which is gatekeeping, which is why our industry is in crisis mode. It's because there isn't this investment in the next generation. It's just a money grab. And that has no long-term vision and has no respect for the craft. Mm. And what Fujifilm is doing is the ultimate respect for creators for storytelling for community because not only are they putting cameras in the hands of new storytellers they're also holding workshops helping people craft narratives and learn how to tell story in a way that's really effective and can get people emotionally connected so they're they're doing so much to invest in the community and that's going to that's going to return tenfold for them. So it would be, it would be incredible to see other camera companies follow their lead and take on the big guys, like the big streamers and invest in up and coming storytellers and the community. Yeah. That would be amazing. Right. Oh my God. If, if, you know, Fujifilm decided to do a streaming service. <laughs> hint, hint, hint. Like, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I would totally love that. I mean, yes, yes. And I look, I, I'm, I'm just going to apologize to the both of you, and I appreciate you both putting up with my ranting and raving this morning. You, you, you kind of Monday. Yeah, you, kinda, you, 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 you caught me at a on a day. <laughs> I love ranting and raving, so I'm I'm all about it as well. So no worries. But I just wanted to, I wanted to add something, Mike, if that's okay. Sure. You know, I think like like going back to, to, to you know to Fujifilm and their model of like you know really investing and supporting an artist. You know, yes, not just like everyone should be doing that, right? Like there should be it should be like a give back. You can't just keep taking from people you got to give back. And I think also kind of like very like mirrors, like conversations with people or whatever. It's like, there is a cycle. You can't keep taking from people. There has to be, um, everything is deplete. You know, we deplete things that way. So like what happens when we start investing in people, in arts and communities, like it should be, it just should just be a part of, of the process. And I even think too, like Anna and I talk about this of like, you know, you know, with the creative projects, you know, if we, if we're doing really well and we're getting like some branded stuff or whatever, some paid stuff. And then like, you know, what are those things? How can we give back? How can we help somebody tell their story or a story that needs to be told? Finding that balance of like making sure that we are also in service. Mm-hmm. 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 It's nice. It's nice. When you do find that balance, it feels good to do that. Not only is it energizing for the folks around you in the community, but it's also, I find it energizing for myself too, to actually be back in a situation like with the show, to be in a situation where I'm talking to the two of you and, and through the conversation and what you guys are telling me, I'm like, Oh, right. I haven't done that in a while. I should probably do that. Mm 
like it, it's it's nice to have this constant feedback and if it's a healthy thing that's happening even better because i just i feel like we live in a culture right now where most of the feedback that we're getting is is negative and so how do we change that how do we change that narrative you know exactly exactly mm-hmm. and it's also like you just did on this podcast building each other up and checking in on one another and doing dinners together and just making sure we're taking care of one another while we're sort of in this this fight, you know? Yeah. I mean, because there's nothing – you shouldn't hmm, – it's hard to say this, but you shouldn't be envious of the folks around you. Just because your friends get a gig and you didn't get a gig or someone's working on something and you're like, I know that in our business, the way that we're – <laughs> the way that we're fucking brought up, we're, we, you'll hear like, oh, why'd that person get that job? Or there's this sense of like anger or frustration that comes with it. At the end of the day, I love movies. I love movies. I want to see what you two did. I want to see the movie that came out because I, w- I want to see it through your eyes. I want to see your vision of it. It's going to be something that I would never have made, you know? And 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 I'm going to experience a world that I probably never would have been able to go into which is great and exciting. And that's, that's the, that's the exciting thing about your friends and your peers being successful is that their success is our joy. And I I think we got to remember that it isn't their success is my failure. You know, anyway, I feel like, I feel feel like I'm, I feel like I'm on a fucking podium this morning. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're here for it. We're we're right up there with you. I mean, it's their success is our joy. That is, I feel like, the perfect takeaway of what this episode should be. You know, it's it's coming together. It's supporting one another. And if you know, you we all get feelings of jealousy, right, and feeling down. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Maybe then create something yourself, you know, put, put the work into um, a pitch and create an idea and create your own opportunity in a way, find a collaborator that you love, like Geneva and I love working together, Um, find a partner. There's always a solution if you feel down and it's just thinking through what that solution could be for you. Yeah. 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 Like I, I, you know, during this time too, I'm just gonna, I just wanted to like throw a little thing like, you know, there's not a lot of work right now. Um, and it is easy to kind of put yourself in a space of comparing or, you know, feeling a certain way about things, but, um, can we find inspiration? Yeah. Like Anna was saying, it's an opportunity to create, you know, again, to kind of play, um, and, this is also going back to what you're saying a little earlier also, Anna, about rising, right? Like looking at it as like, if I see Anna rise, you know, if you rise, I rise, mm-hmm. we rise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not about just you. It's we, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a reminder that like we're in this together. Yeah. And if we can pull ourselves together, like you guys are saying, and I, it's beautiful. So like, if we can all pull ourselves together, and support each other will change it. That's the only way it's going to change. And I, I feel like 
that's kind of what the unions are trying to do. But unfortunately, there's a whole lot of bullying that happens and there has to be some sort of bullying that happens with these folks. But like systematic, like if we get to the root of it, which is us mm-hmm. and we change the we change this narrative that we're all competing, you know, competitive. Sure, it is a highly competitive industry and there isn't a world in which it's not going to be a highly competitive industry. There's a lot of people out there. But I think if we're changing what the what the definition of competing is, right? And if competing is like, I have spent more hours than you have doing this thing, and I have uh, a lot more v- life experiences that are more relevant to what this thing is, that's the competition that I'm trying to Or I'm going to try to do more work and make my work better. And through the process of making my work better, maybe I'll be higher on the list to be able to get something because of how good my work is. As opposed to like, uh, who can cut off an arm and a limb and still try to cook a meal? You know what I mean? Like it's, it. That I think that's where we have to change the, the story. And I, I feel like I've beaten this horse to death. <laughs> <laughs> how are you two doing on time? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, doing doing good. Uh, okay, sorry, I'll change it. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, like I said, I'm. I'm fascinated to see this piece. I can't wait to see what you two cook up. And and um, I've gone through and I've seen some of your other pieces. Geneva, I've seen some of your work in the past and it looks cool. And, and obviously I know uh, your work, Anna. So I'm curious. I, I, I'm, I'm prepa- I don't want to like blow it out of proportion because I haven't seen anything yet. But, you know, I'm prepared for something beautiful and deep. And uh, you two better deliver. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, get ready. <laughs> you better be ready. <laughs> yeah. So I think so I, I do want I, I feel like I, I feel very fortunate that um, these women let us into their homes, into their hearts, and they opened up in such in such a, a an honest way. So um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not gonna speak on behalf of Anna, but I feel like you know our sentiments are similar. Like, you know, we're excited to share this narrative, you know, that's expanding about, um, the crew, you know, the caramel curves crew. So it's, it's a real honor. I can't wait. Okay. Well, we're at like an hour and change, so we should probably wrap this up. This has been a full, (laughs) this has been a full rant episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I appreciate you both. Um, and thank you so much for being here and, uh, you know, sharing your story and then bringing, uh, Geneva, thanks for bringing some light to my Monday and being cheerful <laughs> through this. Um, anytime, anytime. <laughs> yeah, and it's always it's always a pleasure talking to you, Anna. Thank you for being on the show. Well, um, thanks for having having me. At, so, with the film, you guys are in um, post production. Going to see a rough cut. That means you guys still have some time. What is the what is the goal with this? Are you guys going to try to do festival stuff, or is this, is this going to dump online? Like, what are you thinking? I think the goal is festivals, right, G? That's what we sort of talked to Fujifilm a little bit about. Yeah, definitely want to go the festival route first and then and then, you know, share it online. That's great. Well, keep keep me in the loop. I'm sure Fujifilm will keep me in the loop. I don't think we're gonna put this episode out until right about then anyway. So okay. um I'm excited. Let me just say that. Thank you guys both <laughs> for being here. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, Mike. This has been great. There it is in the can. Um, 
Look, I, I, if you've been listening to the show for as long as uh, there are episodes, then you're here because in one way or another, you put up with my rants. And I, for those of you who are new to the show and you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy was just hammering us. I, I'm sorry. It, it just, it's what's at the front of my brain. It's what is in the thought process of everybody that I'm around right now. It is what we all talk about consistently when we're recording this episode on August 14th, 2023. So the strikes, what's happening with our business, and it, it isn't just the strikes, it's just the acknowledgement and the wherewithal and really having the ability to finally complain, not even complain, but that outright try to change the way that this business works. And it goes beyond writers getting compensated the right amount of money. It goes beyond actors getting compensated the right amount of money. And those are two very important things. It goes into how we are perceived by folks with money and how what it is that we do is valued by folks with money. Because the truth of it is, they need us. They still need us. They need us, especially companies that are trying to uh, turn themselves into a person, into a personality. They need storytellers to validate that, to exploit that often. So they need us. So there, there, there's a sense of value that we need to remember. There's a confidence that we need to, to maintain knowing that they need us. And... Uh, I know I talked about it in in length on this episode. Just remember that your work is worth money. Your work is worth value. And I'm not saying that like, hey, go get rich. I'm saying that like, hey, go get paid. Get fucking paid. Pay me for my time and for my energy and for my life experiences and for my work. Please pay me for my work. Pay me fairly and pay me for my work. And if you take care of me, also, here's another thing that we don't talk about. How about you work with me multiple times? Give me the opportunity to learn. Give me the opportunity to fail. Give me the opportunity to create with you. That'll be, that'll, that'll make better work, more valued work, work that feels more inspired, work that feels new and fresh. That's how you get that. You don't just hunt and just buy for as cheap as you can. Whatever. Enough, enough rants, Mike. Thank you, folks, for listening to the show. Um, I hope by the time this episode comes out, I'm going to have at least something that you could see for their film, uh, Caramel Curves, and it will be at inlovewiththeprocess.com on the website for today's episode. And for those of you new to the show, it's the place to go if you are too lazy to listen to the show from episode one all the way through. <laughs> there I curate all the episodes based upon subject material so it's super simple for you to find the director episodes or the cinematographer episodes go there and listen to the full show with Anna Anna and I have a great show together like I said that's episode 223 for that um, and all the other Fujifilm creator series stuff is there so if you're looking for new filmmakers for those that work in advertising companies or those of you who are producers that listen to the show uh, probably a good place to go to find some new voices, you know. In love with the process.com. All right, that's it. I'll let you go. 
Thank you for listening to my rants today. Hope you guys feel empowered. Hope you guys feel confident. And uh, remember, fucking pay me. <laughs>